Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. We're going to study this morning uh, Ezekiel chapter 1 and then chapter 10. And it has to do with Israel in captivity. And if you study chapter 1, you're going to get a lot of information about what happened to the people of God. And uh, it was the 13th year, probably, uh, in the year of Babylon. Thousands, 250,000 people were captive uh, uh, close to the river Shebar. They were uh, by themselves. The best of Israel was there. Jeremiah wrote a letter, and the people read the letter. And you find the letter uh, in, uh, in Ezekiel. Uh, chapter chapter 1, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 to 29, speaking about what really is the problem. And the problem simply was that the, the prophets were prophesying that God was going to release the people of God, the Israelites, from the 70-year captivity. And what Jeremiah said, that's not going to happen. And so false prophets were saying, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to overcome this, and we're going to actually uh, be blessed by God, and, and the Lord is going to work with us because we're extending grace, and, and so on and so forth. Now, if you go into Jeremiah chapter 29, you get the idea that what Jeremiah was saying was not really. This is not going to happen. You, we are going to be captives for 70 years. And, and, and that's the beginning of the struggle of the people of God in which the voice then of God began to be revealed to, to, uh, to Ezekiel. And prophet Ezekiel then in the midst of all this confusion, he began to, he began to have visions. And so if you study the, uh, the, the book of Ezekiel chapter 1, you get this, uh, the idea. Uh, in the fifth day of the month, fifth year of King King's captivity, uh, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Shebar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. Now we're going to look at this because God reveals some unbelievable things to the people of God uh, through Ezekiel. Ezekiel saw a vision. And what I'm saying to you is that as Jeremiah prophesizes against the false prophets, the captivity lasted 40, 20, uh, 70 years. And all the false prophets well, they were defeated. And then the vision comes to one man, Ezekiel. And he says, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north. If you're going to, to see the north, it simply means that the magnetic field upon the face of the earth points to, everything points toward the north. If you have a magnetic uh, measurement, 
in your hand, the needle will point toward the north. When you study uh, the service in the wilderness by the people of God, which is called the tabernacle of Moses, uh, if you look carefully to the details on how the blood was applied uh, and, and how uh, God began to teach about forgiveness, points toward the north. You, you would anoint on, on the north first of the, of the tabernacle. So the north symbolizes something greater than we think. That in the realm of God, in the infinite, the north means heaven. And so in here, if, as you look in this, in this vision... It says, Behold, the whirlwind came out of the north. A great cloud of fire unfolded itself, and brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof of colors of ember in the midst of fire. So, so it's a colorful vision of what God is going to say to Ezekiel. He's preparing him uh, to this. The whirlwind here symbolizes the work of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And then another thing about this vision was the, the color of ember. The coals of fire. If you look to Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 13. It says, And as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. In the likeness of the appearance of lamps, it went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright. Out of the fire uh, went forth lightning. Now, why was all of this vision given to Ezekiel? If you go to chapter 10, it simply means that the people of God rejected the presence of God. The temple in Jerusalem was abandoned. The Holy of Holies was full of dust. There was no oil in the lamps. And there was total chaos in the line, in the, in the lineage of priesthoods. And the priests were abandoned. Nobody cleaned their outfits anymore. And the house of God was left open. And the doors left open and totally abandoned. And so God then allow that uh, <clears throat> the enemy would come in and bring chaos and captivity. So Israel is in captivity in Babylon. Seventy years and nothing is going to change. And it says that the presence and the glory of the Lord left the temple. And so the departure of the glory of the Lord from the temple is the vision of this chapter. It retires unwillingly. The glory is not wanting to leave the temple. What do you mean by the glory? It simply means the presence of God in any worship service that you might take place in the life of your spiritual life anywhere. There's something about being together inside of a sanctuary that if it's the right thing is honored and God is, is, is honored and worshipped and blessed, the glory comes. And this chapter 10 of Ezekiel simply says, the glory left. Unwillingly, but it left. Meaning God wasn't happy with the way people understood His holiness and His righteousness. And so, its throne was the most holy place. The chapter plus, the, the next chapter 10 and 11, is going to show that the God of Israel is lingering. Lingering love forsaking His city and the temple not to return until chapter 43 of Ezekiel, which lies in the future. And so, verse 2 talks about the coals. 
And he spoke unto the men clothed with linen, and said, Go in between the wheels, even under the cherub, and fill your hand with coals of a fire from between the cherubs, and scatter them over the city. It was simply saying, and he went in his way and did it. It was simply means the judgment of God now upon the city of Babylon is set. So what's going to happen is that when you, when the glory leaves, the judgment sets. When the glory of God leaves the temple, the glory, uh, the, 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 the judgment of God will be set. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that righteousness, and I'm reading from uh, 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 this Bible uh, footnotes now. It says righteousness is the foundation of divine action. Righteousness is the foundation of divine action. Uh, whether in redemption or in judgment. One more time. Righteousness is the foundation of divine action. Whether in redemption or judgment. He who in grace set the mark upon the redeemed also casts the burning fire upon the rebels. You know, in the rebels I'm saying simply this. You don't accept the righteousness of God. In this sense for us today, you don't accept the cross of Calvary. You think that something that you do is uh, exceptional and will not ap apply to yourself as to what is sin and how you deal with sin. One more time. Righteousness is the foundation of divine action. If there's unrighteousness, there is divine action. There is righteousness, there is divine action of blessing and grace and, and love and kindness. But when there is no, no grace to you is because you have yourself justified your own sin by simply saying that you can do without it. The glory of God will leave the house. The glory of God will leave the temple. The glory of God has already left the temple in many places throughout the United States. Especially in Methodist churches. Because they have sold out their concept of righteousness and, and, and came up with another one. And the coals are already displayed over the city. And you're going to see the hand of God very soon. Let me read this one more time. The righteousness of God in, in His judgment of sin at Calvary is, the, is His faithfulness in fulfilling His promises to the believer is the foundation of Christian assurance of salvation. Meaning, if you take the cross from the life of the Christian, you only have judgment. The cross is the offering of eternity, depending upon the work of the cross, the redeeming work of the cross, who takes the sins of the world upon himself. And so the coals of fire, they were set uh, by, between the cherubs, signify God's judgment against sin. And so the glory then leaves the temple. Now how did the glory leave? How the glory left in, as Ezekiel saw? Because this is a vision that Ezekiel had about the glory leaving, the presence of God living. If you, if you, uh, if you uh, have been with us into our mission trips throughout the world, you're not going to hear me uh, uh, over-preaching and excelling on that. I want you to know that uh, I am a very poor preacher. Now, why, why is that the case? 
It's because I just, I just want to see the glory of the Lord show up. And I don't want to rob the glory of the Lord from me. And my, I do have uh, two master's degrees in speech communication. And, I, and, I, and I, if I spend time preparing, I'll do a good job. But I gave up a long time ago. Because if I give a chance for the glory of the Lord to show itself up, then people's lives are changed. People ask me, why is it that you're a poor preacher, but the altar is packed? Well, that's, <laughs> that's what I want. I want the glory of the Lord to overshadow anything that I might have to say. Ezekiel was a good prophet, a powerful prophet. And he could see the glory of the Lord. Mainly because God reveals the glory of the Lord to him. So tell me this. When you excel in the pulpit, do you take it from the glory of the Lord? Yes. Because the glory of the Lord does very good and does wonders without you. And so I'm scared. I'm, I'm worried that my, my, my gift of rhetoric would overshadow in any shape or form the presence of God. I learned that lesson a long time ago. That is why when you come to a church somewhere where God is leading, I think even before they introduce me, I'll make an invitation for salvation. And hundreds will come forward and hasn't been worship, it hasn't been uh, praise and worship, hasn't been preaching. And the Lord saves out of nowhere. It's a secret of evangelism that you have to learn. And so, let's take a look what Ezekiel saw. Because we're talking about the glory of the Lord is going to leave it's already left temples all over the state of Georgia. There are temples that are totally empty and void of the presence of God. And there are those that are vibrant and powerful. I want you to take your attention to Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 4. And I want to slow down so those of you who, are, who have a little problem with my accent will, will not have uh, any, any, any uh, problem at all. So here it is. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub. What do you mean? These cherubs were powerful creatures. They had two wings that covered their feet. And there's a reason for that. They had two wings. They went up and worshipped the Lord. And the right wing was connected to the left wing of the next angel. There were four of them. And they moved without their legs. And, and as they moved in power and glory, the speed of it did not take any movement of the legs or the feet. Therefore, they were suspense in the air. And God just loved those cherubs because they... By the way, if you don't think God loved those cherubs, look at the Ark of the Covenant. God specifically told Moses how to build the Ark of the Covenant, the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, which was one piece of gold, two cherubs, and the cover of the Ark of the, co uh, uh, of, of, of the, of the, uh, of the, of the Covenant, uh, uh, in which were the tablets of the law, the, the, the rod of Aaron, and of course the, the, the gold cup of manna that lasted 400 years. So the cherub is, is very important for the Lord. He loves those angels because they're pure, they're holy, they're righteous. 
and, and where they are, there's thunder and lightning because they move so fast in the, in the thunder. My father used to say that every time you hear uh, the thunder and, and lightning in the skies, the cherubs are moving back and forth. And he would say, oh, they're moving, they're moving, they're moving. Watch it, watch it now. Ba, bang, boom, all through the skies of Rio de Janeiro. And he would say, that's the, that, that's the cherubs. The glory came out of them. Instead, out of the coal. Instead, out of the throne of God. Instead, out of, out, 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 of, out of the presence of God. The glory of God rests upon the cherubs. Why? Because it's people friendly. The glory of God is something that He doesn't consume by Himself. He doesn't dance by Himself. And He somehow gorges itself by Himself. He puts upon the the angels, because the angels of God in heaven represent the prayers of the people. When you pray, when you fast, when you ask God for healing, like this week we're praying that the cherubs will cover Michelle Drogi in a hospital in North Georgia. They will heal that young lady completely. Uh, that The glory of God comes out of the cherubs and stood over the threshold of the house. <laughs> you know, that's a... You know, that's kind of a earthly touch down there. Why should the glory of the Lord rest upon the, the threshold? The threshold is the doors, the entrance. The threshold means the big old door. It's about 30, 20 feet high, uh, uh, 10, 12 feet high by 20. It's a, it's, a, it's a double door, and it's humongous as you come into the temple. Look at the pictures of the temple in Jerusalem, and you see that door. It's just, a, it's just impressive. You don't pay attention to things until you connect things with things and they begin to make more sense to you. Like I connect the north uh, 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 as the blood was poured upon the north of the temple uh, 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 with, with, uh, with the way the vision of, uh, of Ezekiel came as he saw the whirlwind coming out of the north. So it says, And the house was filled with a cloud. Now let's just pause for a minute. Meaning that the movement of the glory brought the cloud. Now, notice that it has three movements. Cherubs, threshold, cloud. One more time. Cherubs, threshold, and cloud. Notice that, that the glory is applicable. I told you the glory is people-friendly. Don't think that the glory of the Lord is something that you cannot partake of it, you cannot touch it. I was in a church, Assembly of God Church in San Gonzalo, Brazil. It was a night that it was musty. It was, it was hot. The air conditioning was blowing cold uh, uh, vapor. They couldn't take the amount of people involved. And, uh, and I remember I'm in the presence of the Lord and the glory of the Lord. And suddenly my eyes fogged. And I looked at my glasses. I couldn't, I couldn't see nothing with the, my glasses on. But then I noticed that when I put my glasses back, uh, I couldn't see it either. And, and I took my glasses out, and I couldn't see it either. So I saw the cloud, and then I took it off, and it was, it was there. It wasn't my glasses. It was the, the presence of God in that place. The altar was fumigating with people. There were hundreds and hundreds of people in the altar. They were falling on the left, falling on the left. And so I finally began to say to myself, Lord, I'm so tired. Now, when it comes to a moment like this, 
if you are a human being and you recognize that what's there is not really the air conditioning puffing uh, cold air, it was the glory of the Lord, I began to cry. But it wasn't something that I started. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it anymore. So I found a chair somewhere and I sat on it and I just bawled crying for 15, 20, I think it was about an hour to two hours and I'm sitting there all sweaty. I look at my jacket and my jacket, my, 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 my blazer, blue blazer, uh, had, had water all over the place. It was sweaty. I looked at the mission team and they were just merged with everybody inside of that altar back and forth. And I began to wonder, Lord, what is the value of that? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I noticed the people crying. I noticed the praise leader on his knees. I noticed the pastor creating and screaming to God for breakthrough inside of his church. And so the glory of the Lord is applicable. Notice that it comes out of the cherubs. It rests on the furniture. And then it becomes a cloud. So there's a movement toward humanity. A movement toward the sinner. A movement toward the people of God. Applicable. It's people friendly. That's what I mean by it. And it says, And the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. In the court. Meaning, a court means outside of the temple. So, it's another example of applicability of the glory of the Lord. Notice that it comes out of the cherubs, it rests on the furniture, becomes a cloud, and then moves outside of the court. The court is where the women were. The court is outside of the holy place. Notice that the holy place is one thing, the holy of holies is another thing. The court is way down there, outside, outside of the holy place. Was full of the brightness. What do you mean the brightness? It means that... <laughs> It means that the candle lights that lit, especially the, the menorah that was lit in power in the evening hour, was nothing compared with the LED of God. The LED of God was on. It was brightness beyond expression, beyond control. And... Uh, and uh, and the sound of the cherubs' wings was heard even in the outer court in the voice of the Almighty God. As the voice of the Almighty God. So mean the sound of the cherubs' wings. I told you, when the cherubs' wings moves, it makes sounds. And then was heard even to the outer court. What is that movement means here? God's leaving the temple. I'm describing to you the movement of the glory of the Lord leaving the temple. And the sound of the cherub's wings was heard even to the outer court as the voice of the Almighty God when He speaks. That is Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 5. That's a prophet describing the voice of God through the voice of the, the sound of the wings of the cherubs. Pa, 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 bang! Meaning God is leaving. You know, one of the things I like about going to see Georgia play is that uh, sometime between the beginning of, of, the, of the game, three or four planes from the United States Air Force 
come out of nowhere and, 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 and kiss the stadium. And if you are on the 300 seat level to where I, <laughs> I, I usually is, right on the top of the lid, you know, way on the top, you can feel it as you, as you stand up. It hits your chest. Shoo! Wow! Now, I'm referring to the glory of the Lord leaving the temple. And He is displaying His power because He has to leave. I told you the glory leaves unwillingly because He has to leave. And that's what I want to put in your head today as we have this Bible study. Is that the glory of the Lord is making sounds and thunders all over Georgia because He is leaving. And it came to pass that when he had commanded the men clothing in linen, saying, Take fire from between the wheels, from between the cherubs. And he went in and stood beside the wheels. And there appeared in cherubs the form of a man's hands under, the, under their wings. And of course, I don't want to get into that. But verse, verse 9 gives a more... A different idea about movement. It says, verse 9, And when I looked, behold, the four wheels of the cherubs, one wheel by the cherub, another one wheel by another cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was the color of barrel stone, indicating that when there's wheels, there's direction. Every time you look at Ezekiel and you talk about the wheels, you talk about direction because wheels... In the middle of the wheel simulates constant activity, referring to a certain direction, to where to go, what to do. So now you add another situation here that, that God's glory has direction. Because you see, it came, it came out of the cherubs unto the furniture and then became the cloud and then the brightness in the outer court was totally overwhelmed by it. And then the wheels appeared and the glory says where to go next. And you find that, that answer on verse, uh, on verse uh, 11 of Ezekiel chapter 10. It says, When they went, they went upon their, their four sides. They turned not as they went. What do you mean by that? It means that the feet of the cherubs did not give direction because when you have feet, you think about walking. You're thinking about direction. If I turn my feet this way, I'm going that way. If I turn my feet this way, I'm going that way. But in this sense down here, it says the feet have nothing to do with direction. That's not, in other words, when you think of feet, you think about direction. And in this sense, the direction of, of the Lord is not given by the feet. The feet of men has nothing to do with the direction of God. When man wants to go another way, he can go. But when God wants... Listen, I was in a church somewhere. And it's an old story. And God looked to me and I saw on the, on the praise team a boy carrying a guitar. God told me to get a plant, take out the plants out, took the water jar... And took the plants out in front of 1,500 people. And I poured onto that man's head. And he was the leader of cocaine addiction in the life of the... The grandparents and the parents run out of the congregation. I mean, a group of people run as, the, as he was spewing from his mouth all kinds of trash. He was delivered and set free. Now, God would not have done that. Now, this man, this young man is a preacher today in Brazil in a 1,500, 15,000-member church. He... I know his name. I know who he is. 
What I'm saying to you is that the glory of God has direction. And when you make laughter and ridicule about the cross, you're messing up with God's direction. And the glory of the Lord will leave you flat, naked in the middle of nowhere. I want to tell you, churches in North Georgia are, are, that have accepted the new command of this bishop will be dealt with by the Lord. I have so much to tell you into this, but I can't. But I want to tell you that you need to repent of your sin. You need to repent of your sin. You need to repent of what you have done and go back to a place to where the glory of the Lord moves during the service. It could be a little boy carrying the guitar. It could be a little girl like I saw this last weekend in Brazil doing the dancing before the Lord. And that little girl, it must have been 7, 15, 16 years old. And she's just little skinny, beautiful long hair and beautiful uh, black outfit. And she was just dancing before the Lord and showing, showing glory. The glory of God was upon that kid. The glory of God could be upon a bass player, could be upon a drummer, could be upon a little girl doing the same thing in the altar. And when that appears, you got sins forgiven. When that appears, there's healing. When that appears, there's glory unspeakable. When that appears, there's joy, there's movement, all kinds in the altar. And as we look to about a thousand people do that this last weekend, and filling the place, you go into my website on Facebook and uh, take a look at that. You, you're going to be overwhelmingly blessed by the glory of the Lord. God, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray and I believe. Amen. Okay.